I want you to take your Bibles out to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. And I want you to join me in the reading of God's Word. As you know, there's no doubt that the most profound thing that ever touches the life of a Christian is the cross. Without the cross, there is no remission of sin. This morning, I want to talk to you about the cross of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, in verse 18, Paul's speaking and he says this, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. How does the power of God come through the cross? I present to you the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is the gospel. And I bid the question, why the cross? Scripture says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. In other words, the meaning of the message this morning is to the world foolishness. To the lost, it's nothing more than foolishness. It is to them that perish a foolish subject and a foolish message. And this was stated over 1,900 years ago. And yet, still today, the world looks at the cross as if it is still foolish. The message, the gospel, is nothing more than a religious relic, an undermined mockery to those that are lost without Christ. But yet, the cross still stands high. Consider the tabloids, the media, the atheists, the universities that teach a humanistic mentality and a doctrine. Do they not declare the foolishness of the cross? Do they not turn their back on Jesus Christ and say that there lies within the Bible? Why is it that the lost find offense in the cross? What is it about the cross that brings chills up our back and causes us to turn to the other side when we're in the state of sin? Because the cross declares the gospel of Christ. And the gospel of Christ declares the offenses of men. I want you to know this morning that it wasn't by the words of Paul and his great wisdom that made the cross great. He said, if I preach the cross with wisdom of words, then the cross becomes of none effect. It is not by Men like Joel Olstein or Dave Lutz or Tony Lutz or any TV evangelist that will make the cross great. It is not your, it's not your doctorate. It is not your master's degree that makes the cross great. It's not your theology and your knowledge. What makes the cross great is the cross is great because of the Christ. And when you leave the Christ out, the cross no longer becomes great. So as Paul has preached nearly 1,900 years ago, so I preach this morning. And I want you to know that the cross cries out to you the same way the cross cried out nearly 2,000 years ago to the offense of men. It cried out to Pilate when Jesus stood before Pilate. It cried out of his cowardly leadership when he could not stand against the people and say, I find no fault in this man, nor will he be crucified, though it was the will of the Father. 
But he did yell out, behold the man. And in his heart and the testimony of his own wife, he knew there was something different about this. The cross cries out the offenses of men and it called out the offense of the centurion. The centurion guard that stood at the foot of the cross that denied the living God. Denied the son of God. But in the end, he prayed, surely this is the son of God. It is the cross that cried out to the thieves on the left side and the right side and declared their evil and their wickedness to the point that one thief looked at Jesus Christ and before he did, he noticed the other thief in his mockery and he said, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou are in the same condition? And then with tears in his eyes, I imagine that he looked at the Son of God and said, Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And Jesus did. But what was it? It was the offense of the cross. It was the cry of the cross that brings men to their knees and declares, He is the Son of God, as the centurion did. It's the preaching of the cross of Christ that changes men by convicting them of their sin. It is the gospel that reveals the truth of Christ and the hope of man. There comes no other way except through the remission of sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. For centuries... And you know this, the symbol of the cross has been used as a means of identification for evil and good, for powerful ways, sometimes political and religious extremists. If you remember, the Nazis would twist the cross and use it for their means, the swastika, to declare we are against God's chosen people. And then you had radical groups like the Ku Klux Klan that would light the cross on fire to proclaim their racism. But it was also used throughout centuries for good. Like the Red Cross, which used the symbol to let people know we're here to minister and help you. Like the churches that would put it on their steeples to proclaim to the whole neighborhood in the cities and towns, we are a refuge for you. It was the cross that did that. It's the cross that we find on millions of books, buildings, and bodies. It's the cross that decorates the clothing of countless people during their lives. And often it is edged not only on their Bibles, but also their tombstones, tattoos, jewelry, decor, and art. It's the cross. There is no other instrument of death that is so universally popular in these ways. You will never see a noose around somebody's neck as a necklace, or earrings with the death chamber of gas portrayed on the ears of anybody, unless it's Halloween. But when it comes to the cross, there's beauty in the cross for some reason. For thousands of years, for 2,000 years, the cross has been an invite and a beautiful picture. But why? Why the cross? Because the cross represents the Christ. So why did God choose the method of the cross to save us from our sins? I know in John chapter 10 verse 3 that the Jews were angry with God and they picked up the stones and they were going to strike Jesus Christ on the head to kill him. But it didn't happen. Multiple times Jesus says, my hour has not come. Though the multitude raged against him and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted to see him dead. But until the cross, Jesus Christ did not die. But why? Why the cross? Why not another means of death? Why not another method of death? I tell you this morning, 
there's a number of reasons why God the Father chose the cross for his son. I want you to notice that the cross is a symbol of sin. If you look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 27, you'll see in verse 15 the account of Jesus' death. As he stood before Pilate, the Bible says in verse 15, Now at the feast of the governor was wont to release unto the, the, the people a prisoner who they would. Verse 16, And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. This is the man they chose to release. This is the sinner they chose to release. The cross will always represent sin. You say, but the Savior was on the cross. Yes, it was the Savior. Because the Savior at one time represented the sin of the world. You see, the symbol here of the cross is not just sin. It's the fact that the sin must be punished. You see, the cross showed the punishment of men. It's a symbol of sin that reveals that sin must be punished. The punishment is for the guilty. You see, Jesus stood before Pilate, guilty of nothing. That's why Pilate declared to the people in Matthew chapter 27, I find no fault in this man. What evil has he done? There is no evil. The only thing he was guilty of is love, compassion. But the people still claimed that he was against God. He was was a blasphemer and that he should be crucified. He should be built down to the lowest, tore down to a servant's level to be placed on a cross as a thief. He was guilty of nothing. But the man they released was a thief. I'm telling you, the cross is a symbol of sin, and the cross was for punishment. So why? He was guilty of nothing. Let me say this. John chapter 3, and verse 17 and 18. We are the guilty. And because of that, God made a way. I thank God that the Bible says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. We are the guilty. Jesus chose to be guilty for us. Jesus chose to become sin for us. James chapter 2 verse 10 says... For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend, in one point, he is guilty of all. Why? Because there's too many men and women out there proclaiming their goodness. They're saying, I don't need the cross and I don't need the Christ. I'm a pretty good person. I can handle it. I don't believe in the idea that Jesus Christ took my sin on the cross and became guilty And took my punishment because I am doing okay. But the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 10. If you offend one of these. If you go against one of these points. You're guilty of them all. Can you hold up the Ten Commandments? Are you able? You say yes. But even the rich young ruler thought he could. But yet he still had pride when Jesus Christ told him to sell all that he had. You know why? Because none of us are willing to give all up. Only the Son of God was willing to give it all. If you look upon a woman to lust after, the Bible says you committed adultery with her already. You said, I've never committed adultery. If you've done that, you've committed adultery. And if you are a man, you've done that at some point in your life. You say, Pastor Dave, you're judgmental. I would only be judgmental if I wasn't using the Word of God. It is truth. And I 
am guilty as well. There is no doubt that we deserve the death. We are guilty before God. But the cross was a punishment that Jesus took. He become guilty for us. Jesus took our punishment for our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The most famous verse that has ever been known to man proclaims that Jesus Christ loved all men and became guilty of our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became sin for us. What is the purpose of the cross? The cross is a symbol of sin that brings forth punishment on those that are guilty of their sin. But yet God's son stepped in our place and became guilty for us. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the law? The law is the things that we are not to do that you will never add up to. You're never good enough to fulfill the law. That's why grace took place on the cross. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Who hung on the tree? It was Jesus Christ. It was the Son of God. He became a curse for every man, woman, and child. Because he loves us. I tell you, the purpose of the cross is to reveal the symbol of sin. This reveals sin. And sin must be punished. A little girl wore a beautiful necklace with a gold cross on it. And a preacher in his dogmatic attitude came up to her and said, You know, little girl, the cross looked nothing like that. The cross was a rugged cross with wood. And, 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 and it, was, it represented something awful. And she simply looked at that man and said, But when Jesus touches something, it becomes beautiful. It was through the cross that we became beautiful. But it took the Christ. It took the Christ. The cross was a punishment, but it was also a representation with its sin to be painful. This was not designed for anything joyful. Look at the account of Jesus. He stood before Pilate in Matthew chapter 27 as we continue to read in verse 26. And when they had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, nearly 50 of them. And they stripped him to put him in shame and then put him a scarlet robe on to mock him because the robe represented royalty. In verse 29, and when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail the king of the Jews. Verse 30, and they spit upon him, and they took the reed and smote it upon his head. Verse 31 says, and after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him. And what did they do? The end of the verse says, they led him away to be crucified. You see, the cross represents sin, and sin must be paid for, and it will be painful. And the cross is the pain. You see, the crucifixion is something that reigned for a thousand years. From the 4th century B.C. and onward, at least four powers, including the Roman Empire, 
employed a form of execution that was indescribable, that was very long and lengthy, that would cause a man to hang on a cross for a long period of time in the most torturous way. Why? Because it was created for that. It was created for pain. But it wasn't until A.D. 37, excuse me, A.D. 337, when Constantine I declared there will be no more crucifixions. After a thousand years of crucifixions, he put a stop to it. But yet Christ used the cross. Christ was still crucified. Let me remind you that your sin will bring pain in your life. The things that you think nobody sees, God sees. Be sure your sins will find you out. You say, Dave, how about you? Yes, me too. I've experienced numerous times. I have tried to hide my sin from God. I've even hid my sin from my own wife and my kids because of shame. Because there's shame in the cross. Because sin is there. Let me tell you something. Don't be foolish to think that you can cover up and run from your sins because we can't. You never will. You are unable. You cannot run for the consequence of sin. You say, well, all sins are equal, but the punishment thereof is not. The consequences are different. If I lie, I have a consequence, but if I steal, I go to jail. If I get in a fight with my wife, it might be difficult for a couple of weeks. But if I cheat on my wife, it's going to be difficult for life. The consequences of sin are always painful. They're always difficult. Because that's what sin does. It brings forth pain. And Jesus knew that. And he wanted it to be represented by the cross and the sin of the cross. He said, it is a punishment, but it is a pain. Verse 26 says, they scourged Jesus Christ. If you grew up in church, you've learned very quickly that it wasn't a normal scourging. If you watched the Passion of the Christ, you would know quickly that the scourging was in depth. It was represented by the cat of nine tails. Nine tails of leather that had different types of objects at the end. Everything from a piece of glass to a rock to a piece of pottery. And they would place the body of that thief either on a stump type item... Or hang his body in the air where his toes are barely touching the floor. And that whip would rip around the body as easily as a snake would go around its prey and squeeze. And the ends of that whip would fall into the skin of that man like a, like a, like a pebble into a sea. And he would rip it out. He said, that's the most horrific thing I've ever heard. It would be the most horrific thing you've ever seen. Because Jesus Christ is the only one that ever experienced hell on earth. The only one. Nobody has ever experienced the crucifixion. Nobody has ever experienced death like Christ because he wanted you to know that sin is painful and it destroys lives. The Bible proclaims this in Psalms 22 and verse 14. The Bible says, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melteth in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up. The Bible even says his tongue cleaved to his jaws. He was desperate for water. Verse 16 talks about the dogs that can pass about him, speaking of the wicked people. But the Bible goes on to say, they pierced my hands, in verse 16, and my feet. Verse 17 says, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Why? Because the flesh of Christ was ripped off. He could literally look down on the left and the right and the front of his chest and see that he was ripped to shreds. It was not uncommon for them to beat a man until he ripped in half. See, so that's a horrific sight to think of. It was meant to be. 
And that's why Constantine I thought it was inhumane and put a stop to it after a thousand years of doing it. But what continued on? Well, the Bible says that they didn't stop there. Let me remind you of something in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. There's a purpose for the stripes that he received. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities mean sin. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are what? We're healed. You say, I don't understand. I don't either. It's not my job to understand the mind of God. If I could understand the mind of God, I'd be God myself. But I do know this. There was a purpose of the scourging. And that purpose was to reveal to men that sin is very painful. And it must be paid for. And the consequences of sin are great. And by the stripes, we are healed. I want you to know that it goes on. It doesn't stop there because the crucifixion was so brutal. There was a crowning. That wasn't by chance. They didn't do that with the common thief. Why would they create a crown out of thorns? The Bible says in verse 29, they planted a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. The crown of thorns wasn't like anything we've ever seen here in our country. This does not justify the crown of thorns that Jesus received. Two and a half, three inches or more placed on the head of Jesus Christ. As a spike goes through a two by four, the spikes went through the head of Jesus Christ, piercing the skull, causing blood to run down his face. Let me tell you something. They did not just place it there. They hit with a reed, like a stick, to make sure it went as far down as it possibly could. It wasn't going to fall off. Why? Well, the book of Revelations tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and they will cast crowns before his feet because he is worthy of a real crown. But though they mocked him as if he was a joke, a lie, he wasn't the Messiah. They begin to mock him, not just crowning him. They mocked him in verse 29. And they began to hail him and say, King of the Jews. But let me tell you something. Revelations chapter 19 verse 16 reveals he is the king. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And all of this wasn't by chance. It was all symbolically speaking to us to let us know the cross is wicked and sinful. It has to be because the cross represents punishment and pain. And that pain for Jesus Christ came with the crowning, the scourging, the mocking. But not only that, the nailing. They nailed him to the cross, the Bible says. In the book of Psalms, he said, I was nailed. Why nailed? Why would they choose the nail? Every time the hammer struck the nail, I'd imagine the chills went up the spines of everybody that was there, including the Pharisees. It's nailed. I love what Paul says. The word of God tells us later on in scripture that when he was nailed, the law was nailed with it. The list, and I'm paraphrasing, that you are to follow to live by, was nailed to the cross as well. In other words, you are not good enough. There's not works and a checklist you can go by to get you into heaven. Every bit of that was nailed to the cross. And Jesus Christ said, it is me and me alone. It is by my grace that you have the remission of sin. 
And through the nailing and the scourging and the crowning, there was bleeding. And it was the bleeding that brought forth the remission of sin. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, his cross. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission of sin. It may seem demented to the average man and woman that lives in this generation to think a man died on the cross for the sins of man. But it had to be. And I say to you this morning that this is a symbol of sin. That's why the cross was chosen. The cross was to reveal to us sin. But it is also a symbol of death. You read on in Matthew chapter 27 and you see very clearly what takes place. Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God to the heavenly father, my God to the Holy Spirit. Why did you turn your back on me? Because sin was upon the son. And Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and he what? He died. It was a physical death. Philippians chapter two and verse eight. And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. His death was given, not taken. This is not a normal man. This man was 100% God and 100% man without sin. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. Why? Because there is not a man that could do something like that. He had the ability as man to die, but he had the ability of God to rise again. That's who he is. The cross is a symbol of death, physical death. But also, it's not just physical, it's substitutional. See, he's the Lamb of God. The Bible says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. We all know that according to Scripture, if you study it, all the way back in the book of Exodus chapter 12, when the plagues were upon Egypt, they would take the lamb, the blood of a lamb, a perfect lamb without blemish, and take that blood and apply it on the doorpost that the firstborn child would not be put to death by the angel. But that represented something very important. It represented that blood had to be in order for forgiveness to take place. You see, Jesus was the final sacrifice. It was Jesus that became the sheep. He died for us. You see, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 says, but the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He was the lamb of God, but he was also the God man. Again, 100% God, 100% man. Why? Because he had to be a God man to die. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. He became unjust for the for us. It is God. He had a spiritual death. See, this can apply to you. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Why? How can Christ live with me? Because I accept that my sin must die with Christ. Buried in the likeness of Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. That is the symbol of the cross. The symbol is sin. The symbol is death. But the symbol of the cross also in the purpose here is hope. You can't end like this. There's hope in the cross. See, that makes no sense. It seems awful and wicked and horrible. Let me remind you, as I gave throughout the scripture, he did it for you. 
He was the substitute. The cross is a symbol of hope because of the resurrection. The Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 25, that didn't end on the cross. Three days later, he rose again. And Jesus saith unto him, her, speaking of the woman at the well, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, excuse me, not the woman at the well, but Jesus is speaking to a woman and says, if he believes in me, though he was dead, what? He'll live again. There's life. There's life through Christ's resurrection. Let me tell you, the cross is a symbol of hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do not serve a dead God. I'll step out on a limb and make sure you understand because nowadays you have to say, I'm stepping out on a limb because people are crazy. But Muhammad is not the answer. Let's try that again. Muhammad is not the answer. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if it wasn't for the resurrection of Christ, there is no hope for man. He is your hope this morning. Because through his resurrection, you have life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 verse 4, that the like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also would walk in newness of life. We walk in newness of life. He quickens us. He gives us the ability to have a new life. You see, the symbol of the cross is sin. It's awful. It's horrible to think upon. But that sin had to be paid for. And it was painful. The symbol of the cross, it was death. And that death had to be somebody other than you. Had to be the perfect man. The perfect sacrifice, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. And that brought hope. And the hope is through the resurrection. But that resurrection of your life from dead unto life could only come by believing. Because this is redemption. You have resurrection and redemption. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Let me tell you something. There's redemption in the cross. There's redemption in the cross, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. Justified means just as if I've never sinned. The cross is a symbol of the gospel. I want to close by this. If you didn't understand yet, I want you to understand. Why the cross? What is the purpose? The purpose of the cross of Christ is the gospel. The gospel is the good news. For Christ sent not me or Paul, just the baptized, but what? But to preach the gospel. For as the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, again, the first verse we had, foolishness. But unto us which are saved, the power of God. It is the preaching of the gospel that draws men to the cross. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up I'll, from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. In other words, if you proclaim the cross... And the good news of the cross, the hope of the cross, and help people understand that it represents sin and death, but there's victory in the end. That is the gospel message. Then men can turn from their evil ways and come to know Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Why the cross? What is the purpose? The cross is the gospel that reveals the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you might be asking the question, how does the gospel apply to me? You may have messed up your life. Even as a Christian, we can mess up our lives, right? We still are robed in flesh. We're not perfect. We're not without sin. We're still weak, but we have the Holy Spirit 
to convict us and drive us to do what's right. But you say, what about me? Is there any hope for me? Can I come to the cross? Is there room at the cross for me? In order to understand that, I want to close by giving you the purpose of the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? The purpose of the gospel is the cross. Are you listening? Every one of us knows. Every one of us knows there's something inside of us that's not right. Do you believe that? We have a tendency to do that which is wrong instead of that which is right. We long for victory over sin and sin of thought, word, and deed. But the Bible reveals to us that we're radically wrong. We're without God. We have no hope. Sin reigns in our mortal bodies. There's something inside of us that pulls us to do what's wrong. It's a gravity that pulls against us. The problem is that something has died within of us because of sin. Because of this, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There has to be a radical change within us. And we know that we can't change ourselves. It has to be something greater than ourselves. Because it was the cross of Christ. So I showed to you the purpose of the cross is the change. It was God that took his son to let him die on the cross for all men's sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. He died and scourged for you. He's the only man that went through hell on earth. He's the only one that cleansed you from your ways. So I say to you, if Christ is the answer, then he has to give us the hope. But will he? Has God offered all men black, white? All men the opportunity to know him? Is the gospel for every man, woman, and child? I say to you, yes, it is. It is the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But unless he, he shows forth his hand to us to offer us this free gift, we are lost and condemned in our sin. We have no hope. We have no hope unless God is willing to reach out and save us from our sin. There is no hope without God. Not within yourself. Not within myself. You have to humble yourself before a living God and know that you are a sinner without Christ. And until you do, there is no hope. But I say this, there's hope in Jesus Christ. He gave his life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Every man, every woman, every child can come to the cross because there's room for all of us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He is God. He paid the cost. I declare to you, every woman, every child, come to the cross of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. It is the cross of Christ that made it where man can come paid in full. And without this, there is absolutely positively no hope within yourself I tell you this morning the cross is there for you he wants you to come to know him stop trying on your own leave it at the foot of the cross leave it at the foot of the cross